Every single time Hunter wakes up from a nap these days, he's asking for a snack and it's usually a fruit snack. And I used to say heck no to all kinds of fruit snacks and goodies like that because I hated all of the artificial dyes, harmful ingredients, and the ridiculous amount of sugar that they have. And while I still am a big proponent in not having all of those things all the time, I find so much hope in knowing that Thrive Market has me covered and has Hunter covered for not just all of those sweet fun treats, but also other essentials while keeping him safe and healthy. And it's honestly become a fun little tradition for Michael and I to sit down and pick out our Thrive Market order. They're so amazing and such our go-to for delicious snacks and pantry essentials and so much more. Their app is so easy to use and everything is delivered to our doorstep in a matter of days, which drastically reduces my stress level because making time to go to the grocery store is my least favorite thing to do. Plus, I'm obsessed with their standards. They restrict literally 1,000 plus harmful ingredients and they only allow the most trusted ingredients for you. I mean, even last order, I saved $20 and got an incredible deal on the poppy probiotic sodas that I love. Plus, it's not just good for your family. When you join Thrive Market, they also gift a membership to a family in need, which is the greatest. So let's save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash truthtalks for 30% off your first order. Plus, you get a $60 gift for free. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash truth talks. Thrivemarket.com slash truth talks. Hey friend, you're listening to Truth Talks with Tara, a podcast dedicated to helping you know, love, and live God's word. I'm your host, Tara, and I am so glad that you're here. Each week, we'll dive into scripture together. We'll answer questions we all have about the Bible and about how to live for God, as well as learn from some of my amazing friends and guests. If you want to see how God's word can truly change your everyday life, this show is for you. My prayer is that we would all grow in our knowledge of God so that we can live boldly for Him. So, what do you say? Let's get into it. Hey, hey, beautiful friend. It is so fun to be able to be with you again here on Truth Talks with Tara. Thank you for joining me on another episode. This one is going to be chock full. I'm sitting down at my computer. I have my notes handy and literally there are just so many thoughts. Over on Instagram, I asked you guys, we should do a dating, engaged, married Q&A, all the questions and you guys delivered for sure. So if you're not following over on Instagram, make sure to do that. My handle is Miss Tara Sun. You can follow over there for all the life things, all of the Jesus things, um, just daily devotionals, encouragements, all the things. But I asked you on my stories, some questions and you guys, again, like I said, delivered. So we're going to jump into that right now. I do want to make one disclaimer before we start though, and that is some of these questions are really personal, you know, to what Michael and I did. Some of them are, I'm sharing my opinion on certain things, let me tell you, the Bible has so much to say about everything. It has questions for literally everything we need in our lives. Sometimes I think we look at the Bible and say, oh, I wish God would tell us like, this is how long you should date, like X amount of days or years or whatever, and be so specific. And sometimes that just doesn't happen because we also read it within context. And spoiler alert, people didn't date the same way that we do now that they did in the Old Testament or the New Testament, even in the Bible when it was written. So there are going to be a lot of things that we can draw principles 
principles from God's word and we can say, hey, these are some certain things that we can apply to dating and to marriage and to engagement. So we're going to do a lot of that. But I just want to give that disclaimer here that God's word, like 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, that God is, God's word is useful for everything. It has um, bearing and it has impact on literally everything in our lives. But some of it's going to be opinions and so you can take it or leave it. Some of the things that Michael and I did that I'm going to be sharing in our dating and engagement season and even in our marriage season will be different for us. But I think the goal and the aim should be just to follow God's word as closely as we can and just honor him as closely as we can, right? Okay, so we're just going to kick it off with a question about how to combine family dynamics and engagement. So those who are engaged or someday will be engaged, hope to be engaged, how to make those family relationships, how to hang out and just be smooth and be encouraging and everyone just really get along together. And so I'm going to draw on my personal experience in this. And I think for Michael and I, what we really leaned on and just really based a lot of our relationship in, obviously, besides the Lord, it's just quality time with family. And I think if you can make that happen while you're dating and even just during the engagement season, it's not too late if you haven't already, but just to really have that foundation where you spend a lot of quality time together, quality time, quality time, quality time. I wrote that like three times. It's so, so important. And honestly, if necessary to have conversations with your family separately, like you know, me to have a conversation with my family and then Michael to have a conversation with his family separately and just be like, okay, what are your expectations? What are your desires for this relationship? And I do want to say that I know there are a lot of different family dynamics, meaning you may be coming from a home where you just have a mom or you just have a dad or single mom, you know, whatever kind of situation or it might be different and might be a little strained. And so there's a lot of like factors to consider there, but I would just really encourage you when you're combining those family dynamics and engagement, just to really have quality time for your parents to get to know the other set of parents and um, just really realize that they're coming together because of you guys. And that's a really awesome thing because they share that love for both of you. And so just spending the quality time together and respecting also that one family might have different traditions. One family might have different expectations than the others. And so maybe, like I said, to have that conversation and be like, okay, what are your desires? What are your expectations? expectations maybe just to talk about those because at the end of the day like it'll be you and your fiance and you're getting married and so we can really only accommodate as much as possible but just to honor the family in that way and say I would love for you guys to get to know each other because family is forever family is going to be your foundation and if you have that healthy um, foundation to start it's really going to set you up for the rest of your lives to obviously know that you're leaving and cleaving and it's you and your fiance and your husband for the rest of your lives like that's your family but to know that your family is your support through it, especially when you have kids someday. There's just so many things to think about in that way. The next question is how can we create depth and conversations in our relationships but while also respecting biblical boundaries. So I think this question is talking about maybe different biblical beliefs. I think first of all, we got to consider, hey, if we're in a relationship with someone that we need to think about our core values essentially lining up, right? I mean, there are certain things in life that Michael and I just have differing opinions on, but they're not the things that matter. They're not the primary doctrines. Like Michael and I have had conversations where we're like, okay, we agree on the most important primary doctrines, which side note, my friend Amy Gann, it has a book called um, Fix Your Eyes, and it talks about the primary doctrines, like what is the most important, and then we have secondary, and then we have preferences. So just some of those things might be helpful to look at and even just figure out on your own, like what should we agree on? What should I look for in a person? But 
back to the question, just how to create uh, meaningful conversations because I know those are my favorites just to have the de depth and just the intimacy in those conversations, but while also respecting one another. And I would just say, bring up what you're learning in your Bible time. Just bring up what God is teaching you. Have that just be a part of a natural conversation and let that flow and then ask questions what they, what they believe about this or that. I don't think putting a ton of pressure on and expecting to have this theological argument, but I think it just really opens it up to be like, this is what God is teaching me, inviting the Holy Spirit in to really just take over your conversation between the two of you and asking tons of questions and again, not being interrogating really um, to have that lightness in the conversation, but also having depth and just giving the other person the opportunity, your boyfriend or whoever, to share what God is really speaking to their heart. This next question is like super broad and so I had to narrow it down to a few things because I feel like I could talk about this forever and maybe we should do a whole podcast episode just on this but a friend asked what is the best advice you have during the engagement season? So I'm going to give you a couple things that were the most important and like helped me stay as stress-free as you can. I mean there there is going to be stress just in life and it's inevitable but just to kind of manage that and to really enjoy the season. Um, the first thing I would say is to focus on preparing for the marriage more than the wedding. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on on another question, but that preparation looks like marriage counseling. It looks like um, really seeking to be more intentional in your time with the Lord and preparing your heart to be a wife and not just a bride on the wedding day. That's, that's fun. But to prepare for the marriage more than the wedding. I think often our engagement season becomes like, okay, let me book this caterer. Let me look at this and that. And like, that's fun and it's important and you should enjoy your wedding day but honestly what are you celebrating are you celebrating more of the covenant of the union that God is bringing together or are you celebrating and planning for more of a party right and I'm not saying that the wedding is just a party it's so important but we have to hold it a little bit lower actually quite a bit lower than the covenant because the covenant that God is bringing you into is way more important. The party, the wedding is so fun. It's such a fun kickoff, but to really in the engagement season, focus on how can I prepare my heart to be a wife? Again, that looks like marriage counseling. That looks like meeting with women who have been wives or are new wives or just anything in between and just leaning on them, taking time just to really um, keep the stress off. I think it's a big thing also to enjoy the engagement season. Um, also, leaning on a ton of people to help you plan the wedding to reduce your stress. If you have community around you, if you have a mom, a mother-in-law that you love and adore, and honestly, here's another thing. If you want to like kind of just cultivate a stronger relationship with your mother-in-law going into the future, invite her in to help plan the wedding. I think that's really fun. I know that there is sometimes it can be more stressful to invite more people into your engagement season, but even if you just need to keep your circle small, I kept it to my mom and my mother-in-law and then my best friend friend just to bounce some ideas off of or obviously Michael but even if you just need to keep that circle small but just opening it up to help reduce stress and then just have more fun I think because it's fun to have other people help you but then also stay strong in what you want for your wedding right and then another thing I would say too is to have a short engagement. This is a personal preference, but I do like to encourage people in this. It's something that my parents encouraged Michael and I in and something that I would just encourage people in now as I go along. I know there are tons of different circumstances and maybe reasons why you can't have a short engagement, but Michael and I's engagement was almost six months on the button. We got engaged um, end of August and got married end of February. So just a few days off. Um, but honestly, it was one of the best things for us. We realized, one, that we could plan a wedding in that amount of time. I think some people think, oh, well, I need like a year and a half, two years to plan it. 
I mean, really, it shouldn't take that long and it doesn't have to necessarily take that long. And I think what we realized was it's like, what's most important to us? Do we want to wait two years when we already know we want to get married and when the the temptation, you know, to do all the things that you want to do when you're married um, is already so strong, you know, just the physical temptation. So we're like, let's just do it. And with help and um, we were able just to do it in that amount of time. So I would just encourage you in that, that way, there's just not like this angst and this just this impatience. It's okay to be patient. We should be patient. But I think think if it works for your life, I would just say do it. Short engagement all the way. Again, unsolicited advice. It's personal preference. You can't find a biblical reference for it, but that's what I would encourage you in for the engagement season. This next question kind of just like dovetails the last one, but on the next season of life, and that is the best way to prepare for marriage. And so like I said, marriage counseling 100% with a trusted pastor or counselor or someone in your church community, I would say someone who is licensed um, as a pastor, someone who is biblically trained. Um, There's awesome benefit in meeting with other couples, but when you're doing your marriage counseling, find a pastor, find someone in your local church. If you're not in a church, go first get plugged into a church and then find someone that you just really line up with values that they are biblically sound and theologically sound. Marriage counseling is 100%, 1000% incredible. It's an amazing place to start. And then I also think sometimes we think, oh, I've done the marriage counseling. I don't need to go again. I think it's an also an awesome thing that just along your marriage, if there's things that come up, to not be afraid to go back to counseling, to go back and talk to a pastor that just really um, understands God's word and can give you encouragement in that. Even during your own Bible time, researching and studying what God's word says about marriage, there is so much, even just from back the beginning of how God created marriage in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and then just other principles even that Paul talks about in his letters in the New Testament to all the different churches about what marriage is, um, what love is, all of those things. And then also, very super practical, is to have conversations with your fiance about expectations in life, about lifestyle, about just things that you anticipate coming up. I think that's really helpful helpful because that's one of the biggest things um, as far as the adjustment to marriage for Michael and I is that we didn't have like a huge crazy big lifestyle change but there were a lot of little things that were like oh like I didn't expect that like living together just how you were raised just very different it's not like it's bad but if you can have those conversations now before you get married and you say okay what are your expectations for this what are you expecting for like household chores um dinners, just like all of like some of the stuff that seems not that important. It's actually really, I think, wise to have those conversations about what life's going to look like, what you expect. And if there's expectations that maybe aren't attainable, all these kinds of things, you guys can talk that through. And even you can talk it through in your counseling sessions as well. The next question was, how do you manage spending quality time equally with both of your family? So um, parents on both sides, siblings, all the things. I honestly think what it comes down to, at least for our lives, was just prioritizing what's important. We're very blessed to be able to live very close to both of our families. And family time is really important to us. And so we try to focus on like once a week or, you know, once every couple weeks, depending on how your your schedule is, just either having them over for dinner or going over there or like going on a walk together, just planning accordingly, being flexible, obviously, in each season because they're busy, you're busy, but just to be um, just 
also communicative with your spouse, with your husband about how you want to prioritize both families. I think sometimes it's easy not to necessarily favor one side, but it's just easier with one side, but make sure that you have that quality time because again, cultivating that relationship is so important in the long run. And so I think just being intentional with your time to, if you're like booking out a really busy week and you want to spend time with your family to maybe say no to things so that you can say yes to your family. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 2024 has simultaneously felt like the longest and shortest year. Our little family has gone through so many highs and lows and joys and valleys. I mean, Hunter's growing up so crazy and our calendars are so crazy. And this is usually the time of year where so many of us give up on our New Year's resolutions. And while some of mine have not panned out, to be honest, there are some that have. I am personally really proud of my consistent workout routine this year. It has been something that has been so off and on since having Hunter. It's also given me so much mental clarity to be physically active. I'm also really proud that I have instilled regular rhythms of rest in my life and not just rest when I'm burnt out, which was usually the norm. When life moves so quickly, let's just slow down and celebrate our little wins and move forward in faith and make adjustments for the rest of the year. This is your little mid-year check-in. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the rest of the year. So if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, try BetterHelp to keep you on track. It's entirely online, so it flows with your lifestyle, and you can select a therapist that fits your needs and beliefs, but also feel the freedom to switch at any time to find the best match. Therapy gives you the space to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and process it, which can be really hard on your own. So visit betterhelp.com slash truth talks today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash truth talks. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I got this next question a lot and I wouldn't say that I'm surprised because I think this is a question that we all ask at one point in our lives and that is how old would you say is the best age to start dating? So this question is really nuanced. I really actually kind of hate the word nuanced. Um, I think it's overused but I would say it's pretty nuanced. So there isn't a biblical answer to this necessarily like God doesn't say like oh you should date at this age or that because honestly throughout the Old Testament like girls were quote unquote dating or courting and being set up and being married when they were like very young. And so culturally that culturally, sorry, that was expected and that was like the norm. But now it's not so much. And so I think there are a few logical steps, a few biblical steps that we can even I mean principles, biblical principles that we can follow. And the first question that I would ask is are you at a mature enough age to date with intentionality? And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, about how to know when you're ready to be married or know when you're ready to date. And I think that's comes down to are you mature enough and so I mean honestly I'm not saying that oh if you know I'm a I'm a mature enough 12 year old well okay 12 is pretty young I'm gonna say that's pretty young to date because honestly again what is our motivation for dating are we mature enough are we level-headed enough to understand okay if I'm dating then I know where this is going to lead hopefully right I'm not saying that the first person you date has to be the one that you marry and honestly a lot of times it's not for some of us it is and that's the way that God plans it but I think taking the pressure off and realizing 
realizing that I think sometimes we as Christians are like, oh, like I have to marry the first person that I date because I'm dating with the intention to marry. I think we should be mature enough and we should look forward to that and we should keep that you know, in our sight, but just to realize that God sometimes leads us away from certain relationships and into some other ones. So, and then practically, I would also say when you're thinking about what age to date, practically, I mean, this sounds silly, but can you drive? Like those things make dating easier. It makes the freedom of that easier. Like, are you at this stage or that stage? Like, are you able to just, if we're being honest, middle school, you, you can't get married in the next couple years or however long. So is it necessarily the most um, mature thing? So just things to think about. Again, I know there are people that have ha- that have dated when they were in middle school and then got married later. So I'm not saying there's a cap on this, but I just think there are some things to consider. Another sweet friend asked, how did I know that my husband was the one? So I have a podcast episode. You can go back, um, just scroll down. Side note, there are tons of episodes that I get a lot of questions about. And I'm like, hey, I have a podcast episode about that. It was just a while ago. So you need to go back and scroll. But I did have an episode with my friend Lindsay about how to prepare your heart for marriage and how to know if the person in your life is quote unquote the one. And actually, if we believe in the concept of the one. And so you can go back and find that as well in the show. For me personally, it just came down to a few things, and that is deep prayer and consulting people in my life that are wise in the Lord. And so just praying after spending time with Michael and being like, okay, can I see myself marrying this person? Does he have godly attributes? Is he going to be a great leader for our family? And just all of those things I analyzed, I prayed, and I said, Lord, if it's not right, you let me know. And I think if we seek the Lord and if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we're walking in obedience to the Lord, he will make that known to us, whether that's a check in our spirit or if that's someone in our life raising valid opinions. And I think that's why I also included that fact in when you're consulting people in your life that are godly influences, if they see red flags, if they're walking in the spirit, if they are in tune with the Lord, they will be able to call out those things and maybe raise some concerns, whether that's something that you can get over and you can work through in your relationship, or it's a red flag that it's just not a healthy person or a healthy relationship for you to commit to in marriage, right? Also, I think there's something to be said about making the decision and the commitment that I would choose Michael and I would love him for the rest of my life. I am going to say this. I personally know that God has for me, that God had Michael for me. And I know that, and that was a part of his will clearly because he has planned and ordained everything that is to pass. But in the same sense, I think there are a lot of personalities in life that we could be matched well with, but it also comes down to making the commitment. That's what love is. Love is a commitment that is, you know, that is steady and steadfast, no matter your feelings. Cause there's going to be some days where you don't feel like it. You don't really like, ah, I don't really know if I like this person, but I made the commitment to love them and love goes beyond on my circumstances and feelings, right? And so those are just a few things that I really considered at least in my life. The next question is how can we pray for our future husband slash married life? So a couple things I would encourage you in is to pray with an open-handed posture, with an open-hearted posture like Jesus prayed. He said, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. My friend Ann Voskamp, who was just on the show, said this in her newest book, Waymaker. I underline this in the book and I want to read it for you. She said, the truly wise want more than their dreams to come true. They want God's kingdom to truly come. There's no praying your kingdom come until you're living my kingdom's done. I'm going to read that again. Anne said there is no praying or really she's saying there's no use in praying that God's kingdom come unless we're living 
my kingdom's done. So are we praying with an open-handed posture that God's will would be done through my future husband, through my future relationship, through my future marriage? I'd also encourage you to pray that if it be God's will that you're married someday, that he will be preparing you for your future husband. So pray first that God's will would be done and pray that that's actually something that he wants for you. God wants to know our desires. Heck, he knows our desires even before we speak them. He just wants us to come to him in dependence and recognition that he is the one that has the power through prayer and through our lives. And so obviously, depending on him in that way, he knows what will come to pass in our lives. So honestly, if that's a desire of your heart, pray for it. But pray in humble surrender saying, God, I know that your will is better. And so lead me in that and just help me live each day for you, right? I think that's the simplest thing and most powerful thing we can pray. But then also I think sometimes we pray for our future husband so much that we also forget to pray for ourselves. I know that I've done this too where I'm like, Lord, help my future husband to be this and be that and prepare him in this way and strengthen him in in this way and mature him in this way. And then I forget to pray for myself. And it's not necessarily selfish because I would be, I would need to pray and I needed to pray, Lord, prepare me. Lord, make me more into your image. And not, not more so that, I'd be a great wife, but just so that I would be a great follower and disciple of you, God. I think that's what it comes down to when we, sometimes we get so fixated on preparing for marriage instead of just simply asking God to prepare us and sanctify us just to be a greater vessel for him, just a deeper and more in love and more obedient follower of Christ. Because then out of our love for Christ and out of our deeper relationship from Christ comes an even more solid dating relationship, engaged relationship, and married relationship. I love, love, love this next question. I had a sweet friend ask, should a couple have a time for their own friends or just the two of them? Over and over in God's word, we hear the importance of godly community and being a part of the body of Christ. And I really think this applies here too. I'm going to say this, Michael and I really had a commitment to each other and to our friends that when we got in a dating relationship, when we got married, engaged, whatever season, that we also still wanted to prioritize our friends. And although, you know, sometimes when you get into a relationship, when your friends get into relationships, there's like this period where it's just like all about them and they all hang out with just just the two of them just because it's so new and so fresh. And like, I get it. Um, but I think a healthy relationship is not one that keeps to itself. Obviously, when you get married, like you're each other's family, like you're each other's priority. And, you know, time and you know commitments change but a healthy relationship whether you're dating whether you're engaged or whether you're married or even just when you're single is when you're in community with one another so 100% make time for your friends together as couples like in a group setting but also make time for friends separately where you're just with your girlfriends or your boyfriend your fiance your husband is just with his guy friends this keeps a healthy relationship a relationship that only spends time with the two people like 24 7 is not healthy it is not um, generous it is not loving on other people it becomes very self-centered we need community I know that Michael and I have been much healthier and are much healthier happier and stronger when we make time for group friend settings but also we need to find that one-on-one friend time with each other this isn't to say that you don't need one-on-one time just the two of you in relationship to have date nights and just to really connect because that is so so key but also 
if we're excluding ourselves, we're not reaching out and extending a loving hand like we should be in the community of Christ. Plus, there's there's so much benefit that you can get from mentoring or from mentorship um, just one-on-one or friend time one-on-one. You can even just have more intimate just prayer time or just sharing and encouragement when you're just one-on-one with your friends. And so just to not neglect that is so, so important. The next question I got was another one that was very popular and that is red flags to consider in dating. So I'm going to rapid fire just a few that I was thinking of. If we want to do a full deep dive into some red flags and you know what to look out for in its own episode, make sure to send me a DM on Instagram and then we can maybe consider doing that as well. But I'm going to try to rapid fire them. Just some that I'm thinking about and just as far as just biblical principles that tie into it. Um, The first one is not a Christian. Obviously, I'm going to talk a little more about that later and what it means to be equally yoked. All the things why we should look for a Christian um, but that's a red flag the second thing is an unhealthy non-fruit producing life so if someone claims to be a Christian but this is really not walking um, in the way of the Lord not striving obviously none of us are perfect but someone who just consistently has a pattern of unhealthy non-fruit producing life you know fruit of the spirit producing life um, the next thing I would consider is a you know something like a porn addiction or things like that again I'm not saying that those things cannot be redeemed I I am not saying that people can find freedom from that, but it's something to um, consider and something to think about and be like, oh, okay, wait, there's a red flag. Let's think about this before, you know, just diving headfirst and not taking it seriously. The next thing I would say is someone who is maybe wishy-washy, non-committal, because you deserve someone who is all in for you and will take dating and marriage seriously as the Lord wants us to. In the same vein, someone who plays with your heart, someone who is very flirtatious with other people and just strings a lot of people along, all of those are some red flags. And even just in the way he treats people, even if you can just look at the way that they live their life, how do they treat their family, how do they treat their friends, some of these are some red flags. I know there's some more, but those are just some off the top of my head that I just wanted to bring to the forefront of our minds. Someone also asked, is it correct to talk to a person first that you like? Basically, is it okay to make the first move as a woman? I think this question comes up a lot in Christian circles because we want to make sure that we are honoring the biblical model that God set up as far as the biblical model in marriage. Like, is it okay for a woman to make the first move if the man is supposed to be like the head of the house, right? Like, it kind of makes sense. I understand why this is a question that's asked. And I can't point you to a specific verse, but I can say that when you're in the beginning stages of dating and relationship, it's totally okay to make the first move to be someone who starts a conversation if the guy's more shy or this or that. But as a relationship develops, I would just really encourage you to keep an eye on how the man pursues afterward because um, a man pursuing you is a really awesome indicator of how he's also going to lead uh, of his character. But I also think there's something, this might maybe an unpopular opinion, but I also believe that a woman should pursue the man as well and you know when you're in marriage you also need to pursue your husband you need to love on him you need to you know make actions that show that you care and show that you're committed but I would say though if a man is not pursuing at all then there's something wrong there yes a man should be your pursuer but I also know that we should also give that effort and energy as women to show that we're interested not to be so far as to be disrespectful um, I made a note here that there's nothing wrong necessarily with the first text or starting a conversation or you know going up and saying hi first but as long as we're respectful of one another as long as we are not flirtatious leading each other on um, we're just out to um, 
just get attention, all of these things, we need to keep respect in mind. But this is just maybe my personal opinion too. I don't think there's anything wrong with talking first to a person, but then also be aware of how the relationship trickles down. Like, is he pursuing you? Is he prioritizing you? Can you see him able to lead um, someday if he were to be married? A dear sweet friend also asked, how do you deal with your friends being in happy relationships when you are not? And I totally get this. I have been there too. When you just see people thriving and you have that desire to be in a relationship, to be married, and it's just not you. And you're like, why? God, why is it not me? The first thing I would just encourage you, the most powerful, people say this all the time, and I don't want it to become this cliche thing because it's the most powerful thing. And that is to pray for contentment. And also to realize that their happiness does not determine yours. Just because someone else is in a relationship does not mean that you cannot be happy. Celebrating others and thanking God for where you are here and now, instead of dwelling on where you are not, dwelling and celebrating on the right things, on the contentment that you have in Christ, it breeds contentment. It flows into contentment. It flows into gratefulness. It flows into being happy and to being joyful, which Joyful is happiness that is not dependent on circumstances. Joyful is a feeling of steady contentment and hope that is not dependent on your circumstances. Happiness can really be described as something that is very circumstantial. In Christ, we know that we can have joy and we can rejoice through tribulation. We're told that over and over again. And so I would just encourage you to celebrate with your friends. When you're celebrating other people, even if you don't necessarily feel it in the moment, You can just ask the Lord to help your heart to really follow what you're feeling. Be like, Lord, I want to be thankful for my friends here. I want to show joy and realize that just because they're happy doesn't mean that I can't be happy. It doesn't mean that I can't have joy. It doesn't mean that my life is not good. And so I would just encourage you just to celebrate your friends and to encourage them but also pray for a content heart and say god help me to open my eyes and see that i am so good where i am right now not necessarily because i'm in a relationship or not but because that's where you have me god wherever you have me god is the right place for me to be Alrighty, I've made an executive decision that we are going to make this Q&A two parts because i'm realizing that this is getting kind of long But here's the thing, I want you to stick around for next week's episode, which will be part two of this Q&A, because we're talking about things like what is the purpose of sex in marriage? Why should we wait? How can we wait for sex in marriage? How to encourage your husband without being nagging? You know, if you have the desire to be married, will it actually come to pass? Will God give it to you? Does God bring us the right person in our lives? Or is it up to us? Physical boundaries, all the things. I'm just reading off some of the questions that we're doing in next week's episode. So please make sure to stick around for that that episode. If you're listening to it when both of them are out, hey, go ahead and listen to the next episode in the next part. Thank you so much for all these questions. It's been so incredible to sit here and just talk about ways that honestly, we can just honor the Lord in our dating season and our engagement season and also in our married season. So I will talk to you in next week's part two. I cannot wait. It is going to be good. I love you. See you later.